0: Gary Godboss was born out of a personal misfortune. I was fired when I was two months pregnant in one of my last jobs. And it wasn't because I was pregnant, but I was just part of a management shakeup, regime change, worked for the CEO who was fired. And at that moment, looking for a job, I felt really conscious about my gender and the way it might impact my chances of getting my next job, because I didn't want to tell anybody I was pregnant, and I didn't want to ask some of the things that were really top of mind for me. So things like how many women were on the executive or management team, Mm -hmm. and what was the company's maternity leave policy, and what was the face time versus results orientedness of the culture at these companies, because I felt, I think intuitively a little bit worried about being disadvantaged if it was an old boy's Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf.
1: Welcome back, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. have an exciting show today in the HR and business world. It's probably not a day that goes by that you don't hear about diversity, inclusion, equity. They keep popping up. So we're really excited to have Georgine Hung, Fairy God Boss. I guess she's the Chief Fairy God Boss. She's a Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder. And we'll be welcoming Welcoming her in the past, we've had a few other people from Fairy Godboss. Uh, we had Romy Newman just a few months ago. We had Nicole Garati, I think back in the fall. And uh, if you're not familiar with Fairy Godboss, it is the largest women's career site in the world, and uh, it was just started a few years ago. So we're really excited to have her, to have Georgine here, and we're going to be talking about diversity hiring. Of course, the recession last year was in, you know, many circles called the she session. And we're on the rebound of that. But uh, what's going to happen to women in the workplace? How are we going, you know, what's that going to look like as far as the diversity inclusion? And certainly there is a, a shortage of skilled labor Co- companies of every, in every industry and in every location seem to be struggling with that. So we'll be bringing on Georgine very shortly. And then our second segment today, I'm actually going to be doing Q and A Q&A about pre-employment testing. There's a lot of myths every single day. I get questions about that, especially since that's what our focus is in Success Performance Solutions. And I've collected a number of questions over time. I've written about some of them, but what I wanted to do was address some of those and help people, you know, understand what the benefits are, what some of the, the disadvantages, or I won't say disadvantages, but what some of the problems are about pre-employment testing are, so what some of of the confusion? What are some of the myths? And uh, if you have any questions, please share those, put them in the, uh, in the comments, and I'll try to adjust those. A couple things about headlines. Uh, National Federation of Independent Businesses just shared this. 44% of small businesses reported that they had job openings that they couldn't fill. That's double Think about this It's double the previous high for the fir- the last 48 years, 44%, which means that the highest number of small businesses that have pro- had trouble filling job openings was 22%. And as of last month, it was 44%. And the expectation that number is going to continue to climb, that goes along with the Bureau of Labor Statistics Report that they had 8.1 jo- million job openings, which was the highest level they've ever reported before the previous high was pre-pandemic in uh, 2018. Again, so most com- many, many companies are really struggling with that. And over the next few weeks and including today, we'll be talking about what are some of the trends that companies, what are some of the things that companies need to do differently? Because we're just at the beginning of what most economists are talking about, an economic boom through 2022 and 2023. So the good news is the economy is really gonna be growing. Bad news is for those who are struggling struggling now with job shortages it's it's going to get even more difficult i want to thank I I guess the former guest of the show was Frank Diana. He's a futurist. I follow him all the time. He puts out some of the some really, really great stories. I had one this morning. I know we talked about some of the challenges talking about the next normal, new normal, returning to normal, going back to normal and how there really is not going to be some static place. There's not going to be a a light switch or, you know, effective certain date. We go back and everything became normal because normal is a perception and everybody Everybody experienced normal differently. If we go back to the way it was, normal wasn't so good for people of color. It wasn't so good for many women in the workplace. It wasn't so good for lower economic groups. It wasn't so good universally. So what's what's that normal? And, and we I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but he, they, he, he shared something that came up from Peter Hinson, who calls it the never normal. And that sort of aligns with what I talk about on a a regular basis about that we're going to have next waves of normals, next waves of normals, that normals, is, is, everybody's going to experience normal slightly differently, and it's going to come in waves. We're not all going to reach a certain normal at the same time. But he had this interesting quote. In 1911, Ed Klein took out an ad in the New York Times. I'm not sure who Ed Klein was, but he, he, I'll take his word for it. I was attempting to convince people to keep buying horses, not cars. After a hundred years, there's only one conclusion: Ed was an idiot. So, part of what our role is with geek excuses and Googleization is to help you not become another idiot. We have there's really a smart lot of smart people. I know everybody has good intentions, but everybody continues to underestimate some of the challenges and how fast things are changing. Before we bring on Georgine and really get to the meat of what we want to talk about, there's a couple other things I want to congratulate NGOMO, who is one of our sponsors, along with Success Performance Solutions. InGomo yesterday just launched their app, the official launch of their app. And I hope you go up and check out NGOMO, gomocom They have about, they have 80 coaches right now and- congratulate them. And uh, so thank them for being a sponsor and congratulate them as well. And finally, a couple of webinars. This Friday, May 28th at noon. We're going to be doing our weekly, our monthly, not our weekly, but our monthly webinar with Dr. Ed Gordon. We're going to be doing the Gordon Report. And this month, we're going to be talking about what I was just referring to before, the ticking time bomb, jobs, What's that going to look like? Labor shortages. And then there's two other webinars that are ongoing. You can watch these 24-7, 365. Uh, one is the adaptability webinar we did on five twenty. We had a great showing, good participation. If you missed it, we have the replay. And uh, we'll make sure that you can... Roxy, if you can put that up one more time, just to for people to get the website, which is bit.ly forward slash AQAI520. And then I also have my recruitment workshop up there, Duct Tape Can't Fix Your Candidate Experience, which is bit.ly FCDD Duct Tape. It is bit.ly forward slash FCDD Duct Tape. And again, those two, the the recruitment candidate experience and the AQ webinar 24-7. You can watch them anytime. So I appreciate that. And then hopefully you'll join us on Friday with Dr. Gordon at noon at this point. Don't want to hesitate. Don't want to prolong this. I want to be able to get Georgine on and talk about uh, what's going on. It's fairy God boss. Georgine, welcome to geek skeezers and Googleization. Great to be with you, Ira. So is your, your official title, chief fairy God boss. <laughs> no, but that's,
0: I definitely have my wings and wear a lot of purple
1: <laughs> for sure. so, for if if people don't know what fairy Godboss is and until last year I wasn't uh, fully aware of it talk about that what it what it is and you know what was your reason for starting it well
0: fairy Godboss is the largest career community for women we call it a community because that's really what is at the heart and soul of the platform we're a free place where women can go to meet each other, have candid conversations. Oftentimes in professional spaces like LinkedIn, you have to be the best version of yourself, right? (laughs) It's your face next to your resume. So you better be saying good things there. And Fairy God Boss is the alternative to that. It's not that you can't say good things, but there's real things that people have to discuss. Mm -hmm. They often are problems or workplace issues that you can't be so public about. So our community is really safe, inclusive. You can post anonymously, which is key to kind of facilitating some of these candid conversations.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I I subscribe and, uh, you know, unfortunately I don't get to go there every day, but every now and then there's a headline that just captures my attention and I'll, I'll click on that. And some of the stories are just unbelievable that people share that, you know, it's 2021 and, you know, some of the experiences that that people are having in the workplace. Some of the challenges is like, why are we still talking about this? You know, I probably got a couple of years on you, but you know, it's like, okay, we had women's lib in the sixties and seventies. And so that was taken care of. We had civil rights in the sixties and seventies. So that's all fixed. And here we are in 2021, still trying to figure it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, 2017, me too. Right. Me too. The, me too movement. I mean, it's, things that are physical crimes, like forget workplace things. And some of those crimes happen in workplaces.
1: And we still can't get legislation to fix it, right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or or, people to step up and do that. So what was your, re- I mean, what prompted you? I mean, I, I, there, you obviously had a successful corporate career. You know, you can could continue that path. You, you broke through some, or I, you broke through some ceilings, maybe not as many ceilings as you wanted. But what was your reason for starting, you know, having a startup? I mean, that's pretty...
0: Yes, I'm a first-time founder, and I did entrepreneurial things within the context of big companies in the past, so I think it wasn't completely a new experience. But really, Fairy Godboss was born out of a personal misfortune. (laughs) I was fired when I was two months pregnant in one of my last jobs. And it wasn't because I was pregnant, but I was just part of a management shakeup, regime change, worked for the CEO who was fired. And at that moment, looking for a job, I felt really conscious about my gender, and the way it might impact my chances of getting my next job because I didn't want to tell anybody I was pregnant and I didn't want to ask some of the things that were really top of mind for me. So things like how many women were on the executive or management team Mm -hmm. and what was the company's maternity leave policy and what was the face time versus results orientedness of the culture at these companies because I felt, I think intuitively a little bit worried about being disadvantaged if it was an old boys network at the top of the company, for example
1: right and and then we enter uh, this month is uh, asian pacific indian heritage month and obviously we've like what there's one more dimension to add to that you know considerations which again you know people uh, until you're paying attention to it you don't realize the biases you, you just don't and you know i I've, I've had a an, certainly an awakening over the last year or two is, and, and probably three years from, from doing geek excuses and Googleization, talking to so many people and finding out how many, how blind we really were, you know, to to many of the issues.
0: Yeah. And I would say that part of it is in that moment, I was really conscious of my gender because I was physically, you know, carrying a baby. But (laughs) prior to that, I really did spend a lot of time thinking about, about my identity in the workplace and whether it mattered or not. And I think that's an interesting common, thing I found that there's this aha moment that oh, my race or my gender might matter because for a while when things are going well, you kind of say well i 'm just going to ignore it because thinking about it is going to disadvantage me like why would I want to focus on something that might be negative
1: right and i 'm um, some sort of experienced the opposite and and again there's so, there 's a lot of very transparent authentic conversations going on you know about it uh, you know about white privilege you know here i 'm I'm an older white man and You know, and I I can go down the list of things that I felt prejudiced at the time. Maybe I wasn't tall enough. Maybe I didn't go to the right school, you know, basically Jewish background. You know, now anti-Semitism is is coming up, you know, it it is rising its colors again. You know, so I can point those out, but it was never quite as evident. And the challenges were never quite as big. They were sort of like, you know, first, the third world problems. (laughs) Right. you know, in comparison, I mean, never, never really worried about, you know, if I got stopped by the police, you know, never really worried about reaching over to the glove compartment to get my registration. Right. It's like, wow. And it's like, where was I for these 60 years Uh, that completely oblivious to that something as simple as that could be life or death. Yeah. So let's talk about Let's talk about the issues at Fairy God boss Twenty twenty, I mentioned it was the she session when I talked to her, you. Had a great report that came out just a few months ago. The state, I think it was the state of diversity hiring. Is that the correct name? Yes, yes. And I believe you can still download that from the Fairy God boss site. The, I the one, the one, the one statistic that came out for me, and I'd like to hear what what you found revealing and it didn't necessarily come from the survey, it was a quote that you had, is that if a woman, if you had four final candidates and one was a woman, statistically, there was a 0% chance that they would get hired.
0: Yes, it's not very intuitive because mathematically, it sounds like it should be 25%, right? The study that's based on was not one that we conducted, but I believe it has been published in the Harvard Business Review. And it's about the fact that the minority candidate on a diverse slate, which is what you're describing. Like a lot of companies have tried to implement, I don't know about a lot, but some companies who are trying to become more progressive have implemented rules that you have to have a certain number of underrepresented types of people when you're hiring for a certain role. And that's to make sure that there's adequate consideration for underrepresented people. If you only have one person, the reason why that unintuitive higher as intuitive math is 0% is because of all the implicit and unconscious biases that go, that are sort of facing that person when they're the only. And so you really need on a diverse slate more than one. And we actually had to put that, we put that into practice ourselves as a company, because we take that very seriously and sort of believe that that's highly probable. It's very believable that that could happen.
1: Yeah, again, it, it was just so surprising because the you know if if you had three women and one man then you know that was sort of an equal percent chance you know if you had two women out of four there was an equal percent chance but if there was only one which happens a lot I mean I've yes. seen that on the slates I mean we do pre employment testing so I, I often see for key positions who the final candidates are what gender they are you know I, and I don't I I always see it as their name but you know, obviously a lot of right. that goes away. And it's like, okay, you know, there's sometimes there is, there, is it a token? You know, was it just a check off the box for diversity? Or was it really, was she really the best candidate? Were the, the three men really as equally, qual- is she, was she as equally qualified or is the, were they as equally qualified? But ultimately, if they're not getting selected, then that's a problem. You've, you know, the focus of that was diversity recruiting. And in there, I believe I'm correct that you said that 98% of the organizations were said that was a priority in 2021. Yet making a priority and getting it done is really, really different. Yes, it is. Are, we're at five, we're almost we're almost into the six months. We're we're some we're approaching halfway into 2021. How what are you seeing? in implementation how effective of company being actually walking the talk putting it a priority and then doing something about it
0: i think that where you're seeing probably the most action is where it's most visible so I think a lot of boards have improved or changed their composition in the in the last year. Like people are now afraid, like pretty actively afraid, I think to have like an about us section, you know, where the management <laughs> team is listed and everybody looks the same right. in terms of color and, and gender, because it's very visible and people are worried about being called out. There's, you know, people talk about cancel culture. And I think there's a little bit of that kind of public peer pressure happening, such that board members and executive teams are really trying Companies are really prioritizing the diversification of that. However, that is a very small percentage of the total <laughs> employee base of any company. And so I think numerically, I I see a lot of action happening there. And then I think the other place where it's easiest to make some changes is at the entry level. The hardest place, is actually the place that Fairy Godboss focuses on, is probably like mid-career. Mm-hmm. That's where changes happen in people's lifestyles or you hit management and you start hitting some roadblocks to career advancement as an underrepresented
1: person so the companies that that are starting to do it well the companies that you know and you recognize them often what what are they doing differently to again to reach below the senior level there's a lot of work that needs to be done there yeah did a great report a couple months ago and and what was it I think there was out of a hundred companies that they tracked, the largest companies, public companies in the U.S., one was there was one that had a woman of color and one that had a I'm trying to refer, a Hispanic, and it happened to be both. She was a woman of color and Hispanic, but there was like two companies out of a hundred <laughs> that had had an equal representation of, of, of women, you know, especially not only women but women of color and, and Hispanic background. So what what are the companies that are doing well? And if you can, can, you know, share some so people can go and say, here's what we should follow. Here's a good case study.
0: I think that best companies in terms of behaviors are the ones that treat this like a business problem. Like they actually put the full resources of like business strategy thinking and <laughs> goal setting and execution around it. So if you say we're going to tie, you know, executive bonuses to a change in demographic diversity. It's more likely to happen than if you don't tie compensation to right. something, just like a business goal, right? You hit a certain sales target or a certain business outcome, you get a better bonus. Same thing, treat it like a, like a business imperative. And I think there there's relatively few, fewer companies who've done that, but the ones that do, I think everyone's paying a lot more attention to, to the outcome. And setting those goals publicly and then reviewing them is another big part of accountability that makes it real. So whether or not you tie pay to it, if you made an announcement, you know, like Accenture several years ago said, we're going to get to 50-50 completely through the entire org by 2025, men and women. That was really brave because they, you know, and every year they keep reporting on their progress to it.
1: Well, now, and again, this is for publicly traded companies, but now SEC is going to have to be a disclosure. For the new disclosure requirements it's going to have to be much more visible but that's only obviously the largest companies and 98 percent of businesses uh, in the country are small companies right. which which could be 500 or or, or lower so a low so it's, it's not necessarily a super small company what are, are there some specific steps or specific things that you know other than making obviously putting walking the talk and and making a priority and and, and actually working what what are the steps like that Accenture takes to make that happen
0: I can't speak for any of their internal processes but in my head there's definitely a systems approach to
1: the You said you changed. I
0: mean I think first you have to measure. You can't set goals before you measure what your current okay. state is, right? So Fair. a lot of companies don't even really know. Like, <laughs> you know, particularly the things that are not visible. Like maybe a gender you can make inferences or race you can take guesses although there's more and more mixed people in terms of heritage, mm-hmm. you know, and my children have a mi- mixed racial ethnicity. I don't know what, what assumptions are we made about We're what ethnicity they are.
1: Back on the census, right? <laughs>
0: right. So and then of course, sexual orientation, you would never be able to tell and, you know, on and on a veteran status, there's a lot of things that are not visible. Mm-hmm. And so if they're not measured, you can't even set goals. So I think measurement and systems is very unsexy, but it's like HR data and analytics, how much investment does a company make in that? Do they understand what the applicant pool is? Is it are they seeing lots of men apply and that's why the slates or the hiring is happening the way it's happening? Or are they actively trying mm-hmm. to make the top of funnel, treat it like a marketing activity, more diverse and representative of the population?
1: And, and I talk a lot about the candidate experience and starting talking about branding. What's the messaging? Who, who's visible? And just having your marketing department change the image or the photo that you use, it may be a good start, but then you get into the language. What language is it? So, you know, you talk about job postings and there's a couple of really good companies out there that you can go through the analytics. What's the language, you know, what language are you using in your posting? Is it more geared toward male or female? So where do people start falling out? And then you get into the, the human biases. You know, somebody comes in and I'm sure there's, you know, I, re- I mean, I started my business career 40 some years ago. And I still remember when you'd hire and you'd go, Well, we don't want to hire 18 and 19 and 20 year olds because they're gonna get pregnant. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. And so <laughs> what? So yeah, there's there's a whole lot of biases that go into it and and thinking about the process from the very beginning, and you know, that would be my advice, is looking at like employment brand. You know what's the brand what's your imaging who's your target audience and and again it goes beyond just women men and women obviously that's your focus but people of color sure organic, sexual preferences but you know certainly the languages i look at job descriptions job postings are horrible anyway but now we're taking it to a whole other level when you start talking about some of the <laughs> the words you, you yeah
0: use. i mean it's supposed to convey what the job is, it's supposed to be a compliance document, and it's supposed to be a marketing document. It's a
1: lot. Well, it shouldn't be a marketing document. The marketing document should be a different, different message. I mean, you, you don't, you know, companies don't share their, their, you know, post their privacy messages and their corporate policies as marketing tools. They, they do it differently except when it comes to HR and then they take the legal document and they post it up and say, Hey, we're looking for you. You know, and, and if you, if you can comply with all this, we'll hire you. What, was there anything that really surprised you in, in your survey? And I know you just had another survey that came out too. Uh, you did it in conjunction with somebody else, but was there anything that just like took you back?
0: I think that I, I, at this point, I'm so close to so many different kinds of women's experiences. I mean, there's not a lot that surprises me, but the, sec- the, the, the more recent study you mentioned is a really important one because it's about the intersectional experience of being a woman of color. And what is really interesting there is that women of different colors have different experiences <laughs> and different stressors. Oh, you're not all the same. Yeah, no, no. It's like <laughs> where, yeah, and that I think it's just it's just good to see that it's not just you can say okay you have a worse experience because you're a double minority in some way right. but that you're more likely to drop out you're like objectively and then then look at the data they act women of color did drop out more right so it's like more women dropped out than men and then more women of color dropped out than white women and that just shows the impact of that reality of stress and being sort of having less power and less influence in the first place and therefore having more reason to drop out.
1: Yeah, I mean a real really a striking I think it was a a result from one of the surveys that I just read. And it was an image. And until you saw it, you can hear it, you can hear it, but until you saw it a, a physically laid out. And I think it was women in average white women get paid 81 cents on the dollar. So that's one form of discrimination black uh yeah black women were 63% or 62% on the dollar and then hispanic was like 54 cents on the dollar which just the disparity is just crazy but it's just another example of exactly of the, the massive inequities you know that go on we've just got a few minutes here what you know one question i'd like to always ask is you know and and Part of this is part of your answer is probably what you hope happens. What, what do you think will happen twelve months from now? You have your guest back on here. We're talking again. Are we talking about the same thing? What are what are we going to be? What's going to be happening twelve months from now?
0: I actually think there's been a lot of hope in my corner of the world because when companies set these multi-year goals, I don't think it's just a flash in the pan PR kind of statement. Like we're about we're one day after the George Floyd murder anniversary yep. and that really changed the conversation in corporate america and it's still happening like i talked to someone the other day and said who said well maybe it's a little bit less intense than it was in january and i said okay yeah but it's still there in a way that it wasn't there and some people are talking about this as being a civil rights sort of moment you know maybe 2.0 or 3.0 mm-hmm. and i think that gives me a lot of hope and i'm also seeing it play out in the way that diversity is even talked about at, in the corporate space, like intersectional intersectional diversity is being talked about way more than it ever was talked about. And that makes things more complicated because it's not going to be as easy as, you know, women, black people, gay people. It's like, you could be all three. All right, all right. <laughs> and how do you deal with that? So, but I, I but at the same time, that complexis, that complexity is necessary and probably at the heart of actually how you really start over. It's like what you teach your kids, right? It doesn't matter what color or type of person your friend is in school. You treat them well.
1: Right. gets down to some basics. Just, just treat people fairly, so, you know, and for who they are. I mean, the, you know, it, it was the golden rule, rule was, you know, treat people like you like to be treated. Tony and, and and Michael O'Connor came up with the platinum rule years ago. I don't know if you're familiar with the platinum rule, but you know, platinum rule is treat people like they would like to be treated, <laughs> you know, right. You know, right. and, and I, and it, that's, I mean, it really was profound then uh, and that they, they came up with a 30 some years ago and it's still, still hasn't gotten through. We've got the fairy scrolling across the bottom. You can reach out to Georgine and her, and her team. That way reports are the surveys. The most recent one and the one that I mentioned earlier are both available up there. I highly encourage people to subscribe to the community, especially if you're a woman, but also if you're a man.
0: <laughs> yeah, allies are always welcome. A fairy god boss, by the way, is it means anybody who elevates women at work. So.
1: Good. Georgina, it's been a pleasure meeting you. heard a lot about you. Knew, you know a lot of your team, and I really appreciate you taking time out. I know you got a busy lot to do. <laughs> I know you got a lot on your, your plate, but I appreciate what you're doing. And if I can be of continued help to you, please let me know.
0: Thank you, Ira. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. Stay safe. Take care. Wonderful. Really enjoyable conversation. It was really an honor to to meet Georgine. She's got a, a crazy busy, busy schedule and uh, Fairy very godboss is really doing a tremendous amount of work. I I wanted to mention I think they've got 10 million women who are subscribers around the world. So it's quite a, it's a successful startup, successful business and doing a lot of good work. We are going to take a short break. We're going to hear from our two sponsors in Gomo and Success Performance Solutions. And when I come back, we're going to do our Q&A pre-employment testing. So Please stay tuned. Thank you for watching Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for
0: less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today.
1: Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solutions has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303 hey welcome back everyone to geek skeezers and googleization and uh, thank you for being part of googleization nation if you're not a subscriber to it please go to GoogleizationNation.com. it's free and you will get updates about webinars podcasts, and some other events that we've got coming up we're talking with we- again if you um uh, want to hopefully you'll attend our the next webinar we're doing which is Friday at noon May 25th it's our monthly Gordon report we'll be talking about ticking time bomb jobs and then also we'll be if you like you can go up to the to view the two previous webinars that I did one was yeah. your candidate experience is all f'd up f d d up and then also growing and thriving in a fcdd world enoughed up world so you can go there those two are available 24 7. the gordon report will be recorded so if you can't make it on friday at noon with dr gordon you'll be able to view it afterwards there is you do do not need to subscribe to that one that's just available on youtube i will also be live streaming that day at friday to facebook and to linkedin So if you connected with me on either one of those, you'll get a notice. I encourage you to do that. Also want to, uh, again, congratulate NGOMU for, and thank them for being a sponsor, but congratulate them on the launch of their app, which just happened, I believe, yesterday. So, So again, a special segment today, a little something a little different. My Business Success Performance Solutions We've been in business for 26 years. We focus on pre-employment and leadership assessment. You know, also obviously do a lot of talking and, and, and helping people create a better recruitment marketing, better candidate experience, so that they can actually get people, get qualified people that are worthy of testing. But pre-employment testing's been around for a while. It's been almost a hundred years since it first started to be used and and the first use was likely in the military with the IQ test. I'm not suggesting an IQ test, but but there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of myths, and I, I do have a number of articles on the site, but every single day, I get question a request from somebody, whether it's an existing customer or a new customer, but especially new customers that they're, you know, somebody's boss said, you know, why don't we go out and see if we can find a test because the last few people didn't work out or we're thinking about, hire promoting new leaders uh, into a position where we're bringing somebody from the outside in the leadership position, and we want to see what their skills are. We do their interviews, but we know that people don't always tell the truth in interview. They're trying to put their first their best face on, and and that's one of the best uses for pre employment testing. And that's a broad term, so we'll talk a little bit about what's included with pre employment testing. It's not just personality testing. But what does that mean for the company? What does that, you know, how does that help you? And one of the most common questions we get, is it legal to use pre-employment tests? And the answer is yes. In fact, the Department of Labor uh, and, you know, has a, um, drawing a blank on what the title of the uh, the, the download, the document is, but they they mention about, they talk about the proper ways to use pre-employment testing. And certainly the test needs to be validated, which means it needs to, to test for what it's supposed to test for. So just as if you went to a medical test and you, and, and, and you needed to test your blood sugar, you would need a glucose test. If somebody was testing for iron instead of glucose, it's not very valid. It may be accurate, the, the measurement your iron or your iodide or your p- potassium or whatever it might be might be an accurate measurement but if it's if it's not measuring what it's supposed to measure so when we measure extroversion it needs to measure extroversion if it's measuring detail orientation is it really measuring detail orientation and psych the organizational psychologists the industrial psychologists psychometricians all take care of that we we don't do that but they take care of that so they're making sure that there's a validity and then there's a variety reliability is if if I'm having a bad mood today, does that change my score? Because that wouldn't be very accurate because somebody if somebody's nervous at the interview or somebody's putting their best impression on, can they lie about it? You know, how do we detect that? So there's there's a number of factors that it needs to be valid and it needs to be reliable that over time people would get a similar result. But so going back to the question is is it legal to test to use pre-employment testing? And the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, the Department of Labor and the EUC lists all the things that are considered assessments for hiring. An assessment for hiring includes your application. So is your application valid? Are you, are you asking for all the information that is only pertinent, pertinent only relevant for the job it may be important to get that information but for this for to if you hire them but for screening is it required do you need to have their address Do you need to have their city and state? Not only does it introduce bias, but does it really help you hire that person? And the answer is no, but it's included on there. So people tend to put pre-employment testing in a different category, and in some respects it should be. But the reality is pre-employment testing needs to comply, or the other aspects of your hiring need to comply with the same regimen and the same scientific science behind it. As your pre-employment test, so your application. People tend to ask a lot of information there, thinking that it's just the form that needs to be completed. But uh, the reality is, is it, it it needs to also comply with the validity, the accuracy, and the job relevancy of that. So the factors that when we talk about legal, and again, I'm you know check with your attorneys. Not an attorney, but I that is a, it is my specialty. So I try to know as much about it is that test needs to be valid, needs to be reliable, but mostly where most problems show up, where companies have been sued and and lost, anybody can be sued, but sued and lost, some of the case law that's out there, is one is either using a test that's inappropriate, so that gets to the validity. They're using a test that's designed for medical, such as the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Inventory. Uh, people use that, that's a medical test. It was, it was constructed, and validated to diagnose clinical uh, mental illness important to know it would be nice to know if somebody had a mental illness before that might affect their performance on the job or put other people at risk but testing medical tests are a whole other game we're not talking about that but companies have tried to use that as well but what we're talking about but mostly where companies get messed up or, or put themselves at risk is when they're using a test that's not relevant to the job. For example, there was a big case law a few years ago that the company with good intentions wanted to identify their warehouse, their frontline the, the, the hourly frontline people that they were hiring, did they have leadership capability because they, they knew that they need to build, needed to build their leadership pipeline. But to get the job to do that particular job, they did not need to have leadership skills. But they used the leadership assessment to test frontline workers. The problem with that is is that discriminated against a lot of minorities and they, they did not meet the EOC guidelines. For that. They were weeding out a lot of minority, the protected class. The, the challenge with that is, is that it was the, a good test. It was valid. It was used at the wrong time. Now they could have used it after they hired to see which people they wanted to, how they needed to groom them, which people might have the the, the, the best hardwiring to become a leader, but they couldn't screen out frontline workers. They couldn't, they couldn't screen out their warehouse workers using a leadership test because leadership wasn't required to do that job. So again, there's a lot of confusion out there. If anybody has any questions or needs help, you know, we always help for for clients or people that have worked with me in the past, they always know I'm more than happy to to share that type of information with you. So the reality is, is, is on that list, whether it's a reference check, whether it's an application, whether it's your interview, whether it's your manager, your, your interview questions you ask, whether it's the, the managers who are doing the interview, is all the way down that line are considered assessments. And your uh, pre-employment test doesn't have higher standards and it doesn't have lower standards. Every, every aspect of your hiring process needs to meet that particular standard. So they are legal if if they're used properly and again the job relevancy is huge in that we've got a few more minutes here you know one of the other objections is that we can't afford to lose candidates and and i would agree that you you need to make sure that the assessment isn't turning away candidates but one of the most problem one of the biggest problems that we have that we see with clients is that in the past, and we recommend this as well, it's just a different marketplace now, is that you te- You you had an application, uh, you asked the, the candidate to complete an application and, and that's a whole other story, but sometimes you can't get enough applicants to complete the application, but assuming they did finish the application, asking them to complete an assessment before you've had any engagement, before they even know that you received the application, before that they were acknowledged as, hey, thank you that we've received your application. It looks like you meet the the minimum basic requirements. We would like you to go to the next step. And that next step could be, hey, thanks. We'd like to set you up for a quick interview, a quick screening, or part of or an alternative might be the next step might be to complete an assessment. I do recommend having some type of personal contact or an email contact, a, a kind of an acknowledgement with the candidate before you ask them to take the assessment. That could be automated, but ideally it would be we've reviewed your application and having a, even a five-minute screen, and then at that time asking them to do that. When you do it that way, when you have some type of engagement between the application and asking them to complete the assessment, the completion rate of the the assessments is in the 90%. We have many clients that are approaching 97, 98%. There's always somebody that might object, but that's okay because if they object to the assessment and that's part of your hiring process, now you understand how they will deal with things that they don't like to do. They will object. If you're looking for people that will voice their opinion and stand up, stand up for principle, great. They've passed that test without even taking the test. But if you're if you are looking for people that are going to fit into your general culture, uh, that are going to comply with things that are required and not question every step that you take, then yeah. you know you'll you'll have a higher rate of completion if you don't do it in the beginning. Now, part of that decision doing it where where you actually do it, will also depend on how long it takes. I've heard recently of clients t- of tests taking an hour and two hours and three hours. That's ridiculous because with automation with technology because the science is so much better we were using a test recently that had 300 questions and after a revalidation realizing that there was 140 questions that were not as critical they didn't hire, have the same relevance they weren't in, you can remove those questions and still have high, at the same high validity and reliability with it. So why ask all those questions? So there's a way to cut that down. The average time of most of our assessments, we have some that are short as five minutes and many, most of them take 15 to 20 minutes, which is certainly acceptable. If we add some additional time, if we add some cognitive testing, that's all part of that. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope some of, I hope this was helpful, at least in dispelling some of the myths and, and helping answer some of the questions and what some of the objections are. I barely scratched the surface, so hopefully we'll do this again in, in another week, but we're almost out of time today uh, for geek skeezers and Googleization. So I want to thank Georgine Hung from Fairy God Boss for being part of, for, for being our first guest and helping us understand diversity hiring, diversity recruiting and how, how do you how you can build a, a more robust a more equitable organization i want to thank you all our listeners for being part of this we're in the top 10% of podcasts according to listen notes and we, that wouldn't happen without you want a reminder to to subscribe to googleization nation at googleizationnation.com and want again thank our sponsor in gomo and congratulations to them one more time at uh, helping people be more with their new app and also Success Performance Solution for being a sponsor. Reminder Friday, May 28th at noon, we'll be doing Ticking Time Bomb with uh, Ed Gordon. And you can get to that by going to bit.ly forward slash Gordon Report 521. Gordon Report 521. And then until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Oh, oh,